I'm glad to be here. Um, Pastor Tony spoke at my church today, and I, since we have a 9.30 and 11, I got to enjoy his uh, 9.30. Um, he was super tired. I know you guys all know that he had a rough night last night, or most of you guys know. Um, but yet he still came, and he spoke the Word of God to us, and uh, I was certainly uh, blessed. Um, his sermon was less than 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys are most uh, more amazed by this than like any of the testimonies you heard. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, I'll be sure to let him know. Like, oh, God is real. <laughs> uh, no, I, I gave him a time limit. Um, <laughs> for the 9.30, we, we had to uh, end at a certain time. All right, so uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's begin. So we all heard the statement, um, Christianity is not a religion, but a relationship. And how many of you guys heard of that before? Or maybe even used it in your Facebook profile status or something, right? You're, okay, we've got one. And, and it, it's both true and, and, and not, not true. It's, Christianity is <laughs> a religion. It, what is it, you know, if it's not? Um, it is a religion, but, but we know why, why people say that, right? Uh, they, they just want, they don't want to go through just dead religious rituals, right? It, it's true because, that statement is true because Christianity is, the, the main thing is our relationship with God. Um, but we know that, we say that, we believe that, but have you really thought about what, it, what does it even mean to have a relationship with Jesus or God? With people, we know that being in a relationship with a person, either friendship or romantically or any other way, it's through spending time with that person, eating with that person, sharing life, going to missions, having a lot of commonalities. But how do we have a relationship with Jesus? It's not so, we, we, we always say it, but when you think about it, it's sometimes it's like, hmm, how do we have a relationship with Jesus? Today, um, in today's passage, we're going to see that Jesus and the disciples are eating a meal, and, and they, 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 they meet new people, right? And by examining who gets to eat with Jesus, and who doesn't, we can learn clues about how we can have a relationship with Jesus as well. So we're going to talk about, or we're going to see one group that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, and one group does. And hopefully we can apply that to our lives. So that's the question we want to answer today. How can we have a relationship with Jesus? Or also, who eats with Jesus in this passage? Because that's who has a relationship with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'll be reading from Mark 2, 13 to 17. I have the NIV here. Um, Tony told me you guys use NIV, but he said the 1984 NIV. And I'm like, how old are you that you, uh, 1984, like, I, I, I couldn't find the 1984 anywhere. Um, so I'm sorry, this is the newer one. Um, I, I get it, the, the new one has some different translations, but 
Here is NIV 13 to 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So who eats with Jesus? Well, let's start with who doesn't. Let's start with who doesn't. The self-righteous, they don't eat with Jesus. The holy, the morally upright persons, they're the ones who don't eat with Jesus. A Korean pastor once said uh, in a sermon that the word family in Korean means the ones you eat with. He said the Jewish understanding of family was very similar. You eat with your family members, and who you eat with are your family members. Sharing a meal, you know, 2,000 years ago, uh, what they understood as sharing a meal was more than just sharing a meal. It meant that we were equals. We are family. We are one. We are at the same level. In America, sometimes you share a table with strangers. Um, the other day, I was at a Starbucks working, and it was, I was sitting at a table where two two-seaters were stuck together. That was the only seat, uh, so I, I sat on one end. Um, but clearly, it's, you know, all together. And someone said, hey, can I, can I sit, you know, next to you? And I said, okay, sure, no problem. So she sat right there, and I sat here. We shared a table, but we didn't speak. We weren't one, we weren't friends, we weren't equals. I, I didn't even speak to her because I was doing my work. It didn't mean much. But 2,000 years ago, that would have meant a lot. Let's say after church, we were having a meal here. Say this is 2,000 years ago. I don't know, who was considered like the highest in this church? Senior pastor, elders. They would be in one table. And then the next table would be the, the, the second most important people. I don't know, maybe the leaders or, you know, I don't know, who else? Maybe in the next table, maybe the praise team. In the next table, like, I don't know, whatever. In the last table, like the youth pastor or someone like that. Um, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I hope there's no youth pastors here today. But you get the point, right? Whatever you, table you belong to, it's, you're the same level. It's a big deal in Hebrew culture, to share a meal. The scribes, who were a, a type of Pharisees, the better type, they show up, they see Jesus eating with tax collectors, and they're upset. Why are they upset? Is it because they really wanted to get to know Jesus. They really wanted a relationship with Jesus. And, oh, the tables are taken. Is that why they're upset? 
No. They, they didn't say, how come there's no room for us? No. They said, why is he with the tax collectors and sinners? This angers them because the Pharisees and the scribes, their entire life, they built. So they are at the highest level. So they are elite. They studied hard. They achieved hard. Morally, man, they wanted to make sure that they obeyed every single law in the Old Testament. They wanted to obey so much, they made up 600 extra laws as a buffer just to make sure that they don't disobey, maybe on accident, the Old Testament laws. So like keeping the Sabbath holy, right? They didn't want to accidentally work and get in trouble, so they made a bunch of laws to make sure that they don't even accidentally work. If, like, a, like a field, they wouldn't spit because, oh, that's like gardening. You know, the, the, the plants, they get water and they could grow. Oh, you just worked. So they wouldn't allow a spit on, on the garden. They were limiting themselves of, of how many steps they could take. And these guys obeyed them all. They obeyed so well. They did so much for their religion, so much for God. And they show up expecting this hot new rabbi, this teacher that's, that's thousands are following him. He's a superstar. This is Mark chapter 2. This is before, you know, some, some of the Pharisees, you know, they started hating on him. So this superstar rabbi is walking around. Everyone wants to be with him. He's healing. He's casting out demons. And these scribes, they want to be on the same table. They want to be with the elite because Jesus is elite. And they show up to dinner. They show up to the party. And who did Jesus make equal? Not them, but tax collectors and sinners. See, the scribes, they hated grace. Grace made the, the playing field even. They hated grace because it's apart from achievement. They, they might never admit it, but their actions speak louder than words. They did so much to earn favor, but grace gives favor to anyone. It flips their, their, their world upside down. They did so much to get on the accepted side, and it angered them that these people who didn't follow any laws were put ahead of them. So we read about the scribes and Pharisees, and we're like, ah, oh, those, those hypocrites, oh, they're, those, they're so pharisaical, they're so rule, those rule followers, so strict, no grace, and we criticize them and read about them and, and we shake their heads. But we have to understand that to, to a certain degree, we are all Pharisees. We're all scribes. We don't like it when people who have not done much get just as much as us who've done a lot. You know, my son, I have two sons, and my eight-year-old, um, he was in a basketball league last winter, and he was, his team was really good. My son's like me, he's, he's short, uh, but there was one really tall kid, third grade, uh, he's like almost tall as me, and he just destroyed every team. Um, and, and they were first place, and in the last week, um, of, of the season, everyone got a trophy. 
So my eight-year-old Micah, he looks at his trophy, and he looks at the last place team's trophy, and he finds out that it's the same. And that really angered him. He's like, Dad, we went the whole season undefeated. We're first place. How come? It's the, shouldn't ours be like gigantic and theirs be tiny? And he really thought it was unfair. You know who doesn't complain about the trophy? The last place team. No, there's no kid ever saying, how come I'm last place and then the first place team? How come it's the same size? Shouldn't mine be tiny? What's not fair? No kid says that. Many of you guys here are high achieving. Many of you guys here are morally outstanding. You guys are, you pursue holiness. You serve. You've given your money and your time and your energy to missions and to God. You are the high achievers. And your number one temptation is to feel like because I do so much, I deserve more. Your temptation will be that you deserve more. I studied hard. I worked hard. I went to church when other people were missing. When people were at home doing this online thing, I risked my life and I show up to church. I worked hard at my job. I got promotions. I'm faithful. I give my money to the Lord. But when something goes wrong, you'll be bitter. I deserve better, God. That guy in my company who, when the boss isn't around, goofs off, never works hard, gives his work away to other people, he got a promotion, but I didn't? God, I deserve better. And that happens in the homes too. You come home from work. Let's say you're, you're a guy, you work hard, you come home, and let's say, let's say your, your wife maybe works part-time or half-time or stays at home. You know, you come home from work and you realize dinner's not ready, the house is a mess, and what are you thinking? Do you know what I do for my family? Clothes on your back, roofs on the, roofs, you know, roof on, on, on their house. I work my butt off to support for the family, and this is what I get in return? I don't even get a proper meal? How about to our kids? One day, one day you get a, a B plus. Parents feel so betrayed. You know what I did for you. I know many of you guys are born here, but I know a bunch of you guys are you know, immigrated too. I immigrated with my parents with nothing, and I grew up here. I had to work extra hard learning English, and I got a job, and I, all this is for you, and you give me a B plus. We put our kids in sport, and they suck, and we get so upset. I practice so much with you, and this is all you could do? What is all this? This is, I worked hard. I deserve better. And I'm sorry. If that's you, 
or if that's a part of you, you are not going to pursue a relationship with God. Because you don't actually want God, you want something from God. You want God to elevate your status. You want God to make you into a big person so people will admire you. But you don't actually want God. The scribes, do you think they really wanted Jesus? They weren't mad because they didn't get to eat with Jesus. They're mad because they never got invited. They wanted the status. The gospel is that Jesus treated you better, way better than you deserved. You deserve hell and punishment, and he gave you heaven and forgiveness. But if you're not willing to dispense any grace, if you're all about, I want to get exactly what I deserve, then I'm sorry. You don't get it, and you're never going to want Jesus. Because those people are the opposite of people who wants a relationship with God. You're a scribe, you're a Pharisee. All right, but let's talk about who actually got to eat with Jesus. This is the positive portion of the sermon. So who ate with Jesus? Levi, who is Matthew, is many tax collectors and sinners. The sinners got to eat with Jesus. Tax collectors were, man, they were despised people. And it's kind of hard for us to understand that. Like, you, you could imagine why the lepers were um, the outcast. You know, they, they felt like it was a, a disease that perhaps could be spread. So if you had leprosy, then, then you know, you were cast into the corners of the city. And, and when, when, when you went up to people, you had to yell out, you know, unclean, unclean. You had to let them know that you're coming and... And they were outcasts because of their physical uncleanliness. The tax collectors were considered the same level. They were outcasts because um, just in every way, morally, uh, patriotically, in every way, they were considered outcasts. Um, Tax collectors were more than just, okay, the way way tax collecting happened here, in America, the way you pay taxes is that you use a computer program or you pay somebody and you figure out how much you owe and then you send it to the government and hopefully it's all correct. Uh, but that's a very complicated system. So the Roman Empire, they, what they did was, they, sure, some things were straight up like property tax, but they had a tax system where they didn't want to hire people to collect taxes because it's a lot of work. So they asked... Uh, you know what, the Jewish people, you guys, collect your own taxes and then give it to us. So they would accept bids from these, these firms uh, th- that they would be in charge of collecting taxes for the region. So these companies would make their bids, and Levi's firm probably won, right? They won, and now they get to collect taxes. But because they had to pay the Roman government for the right to be a tax collector, they had to collect more than that was what was needed. But obviously, they collected a lot more. So they were considered um, crooks. Um, they were also seen as traitors. They are working for the enemy country, essentially. Um, so all the, the, the Jews hated them, hated them. 
And also they were considered morally unclean because they had so much dealings with uh, the Gentiles. They were swindlers, traitors, unclean people, literally low, bottom of the bottle. So we, on uh, one hand, we have tax collectors, the lowest of lowest. On the other hand, we have Jesus. Like I said, he's a rising star at this point in chapter 2. His healing, his casting out demons, his teaching is just blowing people away. He has thousands coming after him. Levi, the tax collector, he knows everyone hates him. He knows that he deserves the worst. But it, hey, but he's getting paid a lot. Jesus goes to Eli, or Levi, and he says, follow me. He was just in his booth working, swindling people, and Jesus goes up to him and says, follow me. And can you imagine, Eli? Jesus, are you sure? Do you know what I do for a living? Jesus says, Follow me. Jesus, do you know that everyone hates me? Levi, follow me. I am a tax collector. Are you sure? Follow me. And Levi leaves everything. He quits his job, invites all its tax collecting friends, and he has a party with Jesus. Who eats with Jesus, who pursues a relationship with Jesus, people who have been blown away by the grace of God, people who are so amazed that Jesus wants a sinner like them. They're the ones who want to be with Jesus. See, it's about value. The, the scribes, they got self-value. They wanted to be worthwhile. By what? By obeying and by doing all the good things. So they wanted to be valuable. Levi, what did he do to be valuable? Nothing. Jesus gave him value. I love you. I want you to follow me. You are a child of God. But I didn't do anything. I mean, I only done bad things. I love you. I give you value. You are so valuable. Jesus died on the cross for you. When you know that your value comes from Jesus, oh yeah, you are going to want to spend time with Jesus. You would want to follow. You would want to pursue a relationship with Jesus. If your value is won by yourself, you will only be demanding. You will only want something from others, including Jesus. What gives you value? What makes you have self-worth? We live our lives trying to be more lovable, more valuable, more worthwhile. When we're young, it's about 
getting girlfriends and, or boyfriend or getting prettier or getting stronger. And it becomes, okay, well, looks is only, it can only take you so far. So you become more valuable by going to school and achieving more and good, good jobs. And then later on, you want to feel more valuable by, by having your kids look cute and good and, and your kids be successful. We spend our lives doing all these things to be more lovable, lovable by others and maybe perhaps even by God, you think. The bottom line is, if value is achieved by you, then it's only going to be what I achieve this, can I get this back? Break all those things down. I beg you. Your real value could only be given. I'm sorry, it's already given to you. You are more loved than you could ever imagine. Jesus loves you 100% already. He cannot actually love you more right now because he's already maxed out. There's nothing you could do to make Jesus love you less. There's nothing you could do to make Jesus love you more. He already loves you fully. And that is your value. It can never be taken away. And when that is a reality in your heart, then you understand grace. And your desire will be to pursue Jesus. Your desire will be to say, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to eat with you. Please think about that today. Where do you get yourself worth? Well, the answer to that question might determine whether you want a relationship with God or not. Let's pray.